We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, and today I have a special with Mark Douglas of the Evening Chronicle coming up for you. A couple of notices first. We have a Leeds fan on who is tagged on to the end of this show. Many thanks to him for his time, about 10 minutes with him at the end. And also we have a survey which you can find in the um, description of this podcast, both on iTunes and SoundCloud or anything else you listen to, and pinned to our Twitter and Facebook pages at TF Weekly Pod and on Facebook, True, um, True Faith NUFC Podcast. Uh, it'd be really helpful if you listen to the show and you enjoy it um, to fill it in. Let us know which direction you want us to take it next season uh, with the return, hopefully. Well, it is the return. But in the Premier League, um, you know, we know we're going to possibly change things a little bit and your feedback will help us kind of determine which way to go. So if you could do that already, about 250 people have. Uh, thanks very much. So without further ado, here is uh, me and Sai with Mark Douglas. One. So Mark, we'll start with you. Um, it's 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 felt like a bit of a slog this season to, to us at True Faith, covering as many games as there are, the, the controversies, January. Um, how has it been from a professional perspective with the Chronicle for you and your team? I think, I think slog's, slog's not a bad, a bad word for it. I think the funny thing about the Championship is, from a journalistic perspective, is actually quite good because... There's not as many teams to cover. Uh, there's not as many papers, sorry, that cover the championship. I mean, we had, you know, it's no knock. It's it's not knocking the the national lads in any way. They they they're put out to go and do Hull, to go and do Middlesbrough because of the teams playing them. So we've almost had, you know, a free reign at some of the home games in particular and, and a few of the away games as well. So it's probably good from a professional perspective. I think the problem is that you get to this stage of the season. And, and you kind of like we've done. We've already done more games than we did last year. And I think there's a you know we can see it and we can see it. The, the, there's, there's less of a demand for games. You know, so we the midweek games in particular that have just come up. I think people kind of you know they're interested in the game, but the the aftermath people are kind of just ready for the next game straight away. And there's been there's been so many press conferences. And even for somebody as like fascinating as Rafa, you know, it, it's very difficult to kind of to spin gold, if you will, out of like the same thing that Rafa's saying. And he's deliberately saying the same consistent message every week. So we found it difficult that way. But um, but it's it's a pleasure to cover a team that people actually want to support again because you know it's it, it, the worst thing is when you've got a guy like Steve McLaren last season and you know you're working with him professionally, but then you also know that out there people are kind of ridiculing a little bit of what he's saying as well so I found working with Rafa has been absolutely fantastic and, and you know not just from a perspective of you know he's, he's winning games 
also because he's a fascinating guy to talk to. You know, off the record, he's much better than he is on the record. Believe it or not, he'll tell you, yeah, great tales about what he's what he's been in in football, and but it also informs what you know about him. So, yeah, it's been a good season in some ways, but I think you know we just want Newcastle to get across the line now, so we can start thinking about next season and start planning planning for, you know, hopefully a bit of a brighter future. Yeah, interesting. And in terms of the the coverage that you have picked up, or you know, like the games you talked about away games and other clubs and stuff like that is it been refreshing to maybe see your, or your reporters who go to the games for them to get about the country a little bit more yeah, yeah I think I think what's been really interesting is I, I was I mean I don't know what you guys think about this but I was watching uh, a bit of Premier League the other week and I think the Super Sunday game was something like Burnley against Watford or something along those lines and I actually think the Championship's got better clubs in it more interesting clubs to be honest than the Premier League because you know that top six and top seven in the Premier League is going to be the same pretty much year in, year out, isn't it? Apart from Leicester last year, which was a great story. This year, you could have predicted that top seven. This year in the Championship, we've seen teams like, I mean, Huddersfield's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? They've got this kind of mini Jurgen Klopp um, who's got this high-pressing game. Then you've got Burton coming up here the other week. And, you know, admittedly, it's been a little bit attack and defence at times, but you've seen some really interesting players, people that you wouldn't have known about. Uh, and I think it's been quite refreshing, actually, some of the some of the teams that we've had. I mean, it's helped that Newcastle are winning. I think if they were doing a Villa and mid-table, we wouldn't be saying that. But it's a fascinating division. And, and you know, in a kind of another world, you'd say, actually, you can get rid of half the Premier League teams and replace them with some of the classic kind of proper northern clubs that we've got in the in the Championship. Because your Sheffield Wednesday, Leeds, I mean, Leeds on Friday, I think, is going to be a fantastic occasion because, you know, that's... For me, and you know, I'm I'm a Bradford City fan, so you know Leeds. I don't I don't I don't like Leeds, but I think they should be in the Premier League because of what they've got. Um, and it has been refreshing, actually. It's been interesting. But having said that, I think most Newcastle fans will say, I'm glad it's just for a year. You know, kind of a year spa break in the Championship, take that, and then go back into the Premier League. But um, but yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? It's been. You know, we've seen some different names and probably opened a few people's eyes to the fact there is life beyond the Premier League. You've been kind of active on social media recently, trying to maybe. Um, how can I say this? Not not argue with people, but kind of try and get the message across that actually Newcastle's season, if it ends in promotion, which it looks like it will do, would have been a runaway success because that's literally there was promotion and non-promotion. Yeah. There was no middle ground. Why do you feel that there's a little bit of um, I don't know, like disappointment from some supporters? I think there was. I think at the start of the season, I think it, you know, and, and maybe and maybe we have to take some culpability into this because there is a little bit of a hero worship around managers now with the court of the managers big a big thing now isn't it and everybody wants a, pr- a really charismatic manager um, and when Rafa Benitez you know when he when he was confirmed as the manager this time I think there was a kind of an assumption there um, from a lot of people and you know the bookies made Newcastle shortest price ever to, to go promote I think people just assumed that, that was the job done and I think fair play to Rafa because I think he got on with the job pretty quickly he didn't take a summer holiday really of much he got on with the job behind the scenes because he knew graph that was kind of coming because he did his homework on the division a little bit I'd like to think that I kind of know a little bit about the championship through you know through talking to people and stuff but I think I underestimated it a little bit I think that what we're seeing now is that people have underestimated it a little bit the worst thing that could have happened was that Newcastle went like 11 games in the autumn uh, unbeaten the worst game the worst thing that could happen for perception was that that make that means that's what Newcastle should be doing all season actually if you'd have got the 11 games now and Newcastle's patchy form now was what was happening in September, November. Everybody would be saying, you know, this has been an unbelievably successful season. What people thought was what was happening then was the norm. And that's what Newcastle should be doing. But I actually, you know, I think that 
the perception of newcastle and benitez and the squad and because of the stadium and stuff the perception of the newcastle's own fans is that they should be winning this league if you go and ask people at aston villa if you go and ask people at norwich what they found about the division they'll tell you something entirely different and and i think it's been it's been incredibly tough this year and i, I think if at the end of the season the fact the players and the manager will tell you that this has been harder probably than staying in the premier league would be next year because i think you've got to pick up points week in week out and i think the last two games wigan and burton took it out of them because there's a lot of adrenaline that goes into trying to win those games that you're meant to win which are difficult um but that's you know it doesn't mean that you're going to come away from a game like saturday happy and i can understand why people were annoyed but you just have to look at the table and, and say well 84 points at this time of the season is you know that's unprecedented normally that would be top of the league it's just because brighton and chris Hewton have done so well that newcastle aren't top of the league but yeah, it has been a massive success if they go up because that's all that that's that's all that they need to do. And and you know, I think people will look back at it again. You know, like they'll like they now look back at Chris Hewton and think, well, that was a that was a successful season. I think at the time people were saying, well, we should have got promoted. You know, yeah, too right, we got promoted. We had the best squad, but people didn't think that at the time. But now, you know, I've seen people on on Twitter saying, oh, Chris Hewton could have taken us up this year. Well, I'd have liked to have seen that in the situation that Chris Hewton was in. You know, four years ago, having you know a rookie manager. It wouldn't have been easy for Newcastle this year if they'd have gone into it in the same way that they did last time. Mick, it, uh, this season it's a true faith, which obviously me and Si are part of, but you, you run it. Um, or even as a supporter, have you enjoyed this season? Or has it, has it been like Mark Kennis, has it been a slog people are talking about? I don't think the football's been great. Um, but I th- And I think Rafa's set up a team to be functional, to get results, and that's what he's done. Um, you know, you you look at you know I've been thinking about promotion seasons in years gone by, and the '83 '84 season was sparkling football. Peter Beardsley, Chris Waddle, Kevin Keegan, Terry McDermott, Glenn Roder, uh, David McCreary, etc. Were you know iconic players in the history of the of the club. Well, they finished third, you know, in that in that year, and that was pre-playoff um, uh, the, the model. So they went, they went up and not every game was like when they beat Brighton 3-1 on the last game of the season, Peter Beardsley's marvellous chip goal at the Gallagher. They lost games, you know, they lost games that they should have won and blah, blah, blah. So, um, and 92-93 they were unbelievable with Andy Cole and David Kelly and uh, etc. And, uh, and then even a few years ago with, uh, you know, Andy Carroll coming through and um, and they had, uh, and, and I thought Colaccini was absolutely unbelievable that year, and Nolan was excellent. So that, that I, I actually think in, you've got to kind of look at the players that Rafa's got available to him, and uh, and they're probably not as good as as the as the ones that that they've had in previous promotion seasons, but they are getting the results that are going to get us back in the Premier League, and I do, and I think football's changed so much that. We didn't. We came down with a, a much worse squad than we went down with in 0910, uh, 09. Um, and uh, and we lost a lot of players: Jan Matt, um, Williandum, Sissoko, etc. Um, Townsend, Townsend yeah, left left the club, whereas others either couldn't get rid of them or they stayed. So, um, what what Rafa did in in one transfer window, moving those players out bringing players in who are going to obviously design to get us promoted was nothing short of phenomenal and then they put 30 million quid on the Mike Ashley at mantelpiece and say by the way we're 30 million quid up and have a team that's going up 
I think it's unbelievable the job he's done, you know, and you think last year, the year before, you know, people were walking out of games and, you know, um, remember the Swansea match, yeah. the Tottenham games when, you know, it was funereal outside, inside, I was outside trying to persuade people not to go in. <coughs> so it's moved on absolutely astonishingly. And I think the thing that I think people who are, not to put a fine, too fine a point on it, not too much of a slapped horse, um, are realising it is, is that the longer Rafa Benitez is at the club, the more progress we'll make, providing Ashley doesn't do anything mental and that he's just plays fair, does what he does what he needs to do. Um, Benitez, you know, I don't suppose wants a budget that Man United or Arsenal or Chelsea or Man City are going to get next summer, but he will want a budget that can get us to being a little bit better than scraping around you know, being a Hull or a Middlesbrough um, next season. I think he wants something better than that. And let's be honest, Rafa Benitez doesn't want to turn Newcastle into the next Watford, does he? He wants us to be on the shirt tails of of the likes of, you know, Tottenham, who I think are probably the club that Newcastle should be the most similar to in terms of size, history and prestige, etc. But what's really interesting as well, I think that's spot on there with like the job that he's done because he's the first manager that I can remember Newcastle had. And when I say manager, it doesn't just mean what's going on on the pitch, which obviously is what everybody's talking mm. about. He's not just managed the players in the dressing room. He's managed the like pretty infernal internal politics of Newcastle United because we know that there's, you know, he came into a situation where you had Graham Carr um, dictating who was, who was, you know, he was buying the players because Steve McLaren didn't have it. He, he's managed to manage the relations between fans and the board. And if you talk to people who work behind the scenes at Newcastle United, there's some really good people who work behind the scenes at Newcastle United, some really hardworking people who, who work behind the scenes at Newcastle. And they will tell you that this is the first year where they feel appreciated by people outside of the club because Benitez has been able to come in and he's done something that nobody else has been able to do, which is actually connect the city back to the football club just through a, a few simple things that he's been able to do that no other manager has been able to do. And and, and that has made such a massive difference. It isn't just on the pitch where Newcastle are better than they were. It's off the pitch as well. And he's really important to that. And that's why when people talk about, you know, trying to keep him here, it's because he, he's, he is the key to all of this. It, the, the, the unity that we've got and, and everybody moving in the same direction. The press being on, on board um, with, you know, listening, to, listening to a little bit more. To, because we know that when he says something, it's not something that he's been told to say. He's saying it because he means it. And you've seen that by some of the things that he hasn't said this year. Mm. You know, for example, in January, after January, you know, a lot was made of that. And, you know, look, I don't want to go into it too much now, but I think what, what happened there was we knew that everything that he said then, he meant. It wasn't a case of like Alan Pardew you had where he said, oh, we're hoping to get a player over the line. That was all kind of, and, and that comes from having a proper manager. And he's brought all of that in. And that has, that's not easy to manage the internal politics at Newcastle United. A lot of, a lot of bigger, um, well, a lot of sort of, big names, sorry, not bigger names, and there's many bigger names, but a lot of big names have tried that and not been able to succeed at Newcastle United. And he's done it, he's brought everybody closer together after a year when they got relegated and he's managed to, and I think he's, he's what he's done this year in terms of just actually steadying the ship and getting Newcastle moving in the right direction again is pretty miraculous because Nigel Pearson wouldn't have done it. Mm. And, you know, Neil Warnock wouldn't have done it, would they? You know, that, and I think the thing huge. is, it's like you can cut, you know, they've had this model where they've had, and you can say the attractions in, t in terms of in an abstract sense about having a director of football and a coach because 
and the director of football will source the players and and look after the the, the infrastructure of the club etc though I don't think we've had that from Graham Carr in particular he doesn't live in the northeast he's a visitor to the northeast he's from he's from the Tyneside area but he's been away so long he might as well be a, a, a foreigner to be to be frank quite frank it doesn't really matter what title people have got it's the it's the general level of competence Rafa is at the club every day so I hear so He's the one who knows how the academy is working. He's the, he's the one who knows which players in the under-23 squad might make it. He's the man who's got a hold of that. Now, that with the best will in the world, if you've got a director of football who's disconnected from all of that, it's not going to work. You need somebody who's hands-on every day, whether, and you can call them a manager, director of football, head coach, call them what you like. It's the quality of the man. Rafa Benitez can have any title that you like as long as he goes in to work for Newcastle United and is, and is Rafa Benitez. Mm. He needs to have complete control of the club because when you look back at the history of Newcastle United and why it is what it is, it's because it has never ever had someone who has got the ability, got the charisma, got the determination and the belief to put his print on that club in the same way that Shankly did at Liverpool, Busby did at Man United, Jock Steen did at Celtic, Brian Clough did at Forest, etc. at Ferguson, obviously at Man, at Man United. We've never had that father figure of the club who's imposed his personality on the club. Now, it's got to be the right person, yeah. clearly. Clearly, it's got, to be the right, it's got to be the right person. But this man is the right person. If not him, who? Mm. You know, look at his contact book. Look at what he look what he's achieved in the past. You know, look at the players who will pick the phone up when Rafa phones them up. When it, when he says, when he contacts an agent and an agent says Newcastle are, are interested in you, it's not Newcastle United. It's Rafa Benitez and Newcastle United. It's not Steve McLaren or mm. Alan Pardew or John Carver. It, it's a completely different level, and that's why this man needs to be given his head. And the longer he's here the better for us definitely yeah, yeah well said um, <clears throat> where do you think Mark it's headed for us because um, yourself and other northeast based journalists uh, seem to have um, lightened the mood a little bit recently to, from, from the early stages of, of February when everything was looking pretty dark C- could you share any good news with us or what's your feeling of the situation headed to the summer transfer window, transfer window? Well, definitely my feeling is from, from what I've heard that the, the the first couple of transfer meetings that were that were held earlier, and and you know going back to what what we were saying there, like really interestingly, Rafa kind of has um, there hasn't been a transfer meeting since Newcastle's. I think it was just before the international break when uh, Newcastle's kind of promotion was starting to look a little bit dicey, wasn't it? I think when they um, when Huddersfield won a few games and it started to Constantina a little bit. Um, but the message that came back from those was that there is going to be a bit of money to spend in the, in the summer. How much exactly we don't know. But um, it just feels a lot more positive. The problem with Newcastle, as I said, there's internal politics there, so you never know because there's always about three different um, versions that you can get from Newcastle United. So you, you, know, you can never be 100% sure, but it definitely feels more positive than it did. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you know they've already sourced four or five players that they want for the summer. They've already looked. They've already looked. I think to be to be perfectly honest, I think there's players lined up for the for the summer already. I think Rafa's done a lot of work on that. Um, although he would never say that, and I think you'll. 
he'll hear him actually back, back away from that. But I think he's been given reassurances. Whether he's been given those directly by Mike Ashley or not, is that's the crucial thing. And that's the only thing that I would kind of be slightly worried about is that in Mike Ashley, we know that he, he does have a capacity to kind of surprise us. But I, 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 the, the noises that you're getting from people around the situation are much more positive than they were in January. But having said that, you know, Rafa Benitez could have walked away in January if he'd have wanted to, and I think he he could see what was co- what has come at Newcastle after January. That that you know a lot of games, Newcastle needed something a little bit more inspirational, and I think that he, he saw that Andros Townsend was maybe the, maybe the answer, and he was there and available and willing, willing to come in. And I think the reason he was so annoyed was because he just felt like you know, this is a small time mentality not to go out and get him when we've got the chance. We know that he wants it. You know, we, we have to do this deal. We'll, we'll finance it in a way that, you know, we'll make money back again. We'll be able to sell him back again. And I think he was frustrated by that. And I, But I think that what's happened since is that, you know, you've seen that, that the mood's lightened a bit because results have got better. And I think that that really is, is, is the most important thing. But the noise, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because you kind of, you want to say for sure that he's going to be here. But I, I, I would say that I'm pretty sure that he's going to be here. Um, beyond the summer, the way things are moving at the moment, he is making all the plans for next season. So the only thing that would stop him from being there is if there was some kind of Mike Ashley kind of intervention. Um, but we're not getting the kind of noises that there's going to be that, if you know what I mean. It, you, you, you hear from agents who are being talked to by Newcastle people who are, you know, talking, and you've you've heard the scouts are out looking at players, and it's all Rafa's players who they're looking at. You know, you know, I, I wrote a piece about Harry Maguire the other week. Well, that's a Rafa player that. Um, you know, if it was if it was down to it was down to a kind of you know Graham Carr or somebody like that, it, it, I'm not sure. You know, I think they'd be looking they'd be looking somewhere else. But I think Rafa's looking at players for next season, and that's that's a real positive. And the noises that are coming from his people are much much more positive um, than they were in January. But uh, you know, the, the problem is that at Newcastle United, because of the internal politics, you never know what's going to happen uh, as soon as the summer comes around. But if the team are back in the Premier League, I think you saw from the accounts last week as well. You know, they are like weirdly, although the team hasn't been set up particularly well, they are weirdly kind of set up quite well to come back into the Premier League because once they get that £100 million or whatever it is from TV money, that money can go straight back into the transfer budget. And I think that what happened in, in January was a little bit of a roll-on from the fact that it didn't, we, people weren't necessarily, like I think at the top of the at the top of the club, they weren't sure whether the team were going to get promoted. And I think that with the nervousness came there because hold on, if they don't get promoted, then they are in trouble and they will have to sort of, everything will have to change a little bit. But I'm pretty convinced that he's going to be here next season now. And I think that's the noises that a few of us are getting from different sources as well, from different people around around the club. But, you know, the noises in January weren't particularly good. They're much, much better now. And I think that's a little bit from just letting everything just settle down a bit um, and, and sort of getting a few reassurances. You know, I think Lee Charnley's actually, Rafa seems to quite like Lee Charnley. And I think that there's been a little bit of a sort of, he's got a little bit more of a grip on the situation as well. Um, obviously, he's gone out to China recently as well, which there's a bit of intrigue there, isn't there? I mean, you know, all right, they're going out to maybe do some commercial deals, but you know, there's a lot of interest in English football in China as well. And you just never know what's going to happen next with Newcastle. But I think Rafa Benitez, there's not a lot of options, other options for him that he wants. He, he's got his teeth into this football club and he absolutely, and, and from speaking to him, he loves the way that this this city has kind of got behind him, you know, it's not a kind of he's not a really emotional man, but you can tell from talking to him how much he loves the fact that he's got this kind of unity behind the club. You know, bear in mind the last few clubs he's worked at, um, there's been opposition to what he's done. Here, everybody's with him. He says something. You know, he's, he he spent quite a lot of time before the come back from the international break talking about trying to get people unified, trying to get people behind him. 
got Gallagate's flags from you guys as well. I know that means a lot to him and he's not going to walk away lightly. The only way I think he would walk away is if he felt that like, you know, like Mick said, we're going to be in a relegation fight next year and he, he just won't want to do that. He, he won't want to come in and be told who to sign. He won't want to come in and be told you have to go in with the same team next year. Um, but that's not the sort of noises we're getting. So I think he'll be here. I think the good thing about um, Benitez is, is that we need him far more than he needs us because I think we will go up touch wood um, but um, you know he's just gilded his reputation hasn't he he's, he's shown that this is what he can do he, mm-hmm. oh, well, he you know a, a struggling big northern club who you know probably think they're better than they are blah 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 um, who are in free fall <clears throat> he's actually came in put them back together again got them promoted and you know the idiot owner shot on him so he's walked so you know his reputation is unsullied by the Newcastle experience um, so I I'm always always want a manager who other clubs want yeah you know so it, it's like you want players who other clubs want don't you know you you, you, you kind of get anxious about it but you know you know you, you you'd be disappointed if you know, nobody wanted your players. You know, um, you know that's why you get stuck with duds, isn't it? Um, but uh, I'm really optimistic that about the things that you know Mark is talking about being a, a well-placed local journalist. But um, I, I kind of live in mortal fear of Mike actually getting up out of bed one morning and just saying, "Fuck it." Yeah. Well, we, we've <laughs> been in the situation. Haven't we joking here was a yeah. classic kind of move where when that just came out of left field and and. That's the reason, like, I think everybody, everybody in Newcastle, all the journalists as well, will, will not, although we kind of want to say it's definitely going to happen because of the noises you're hearing, you never say it with Newcastle because there's always that kind of capacity. And, you know, we have Lee Charnley, who's the managing director. And, you know, I think Lee Charnley's actually had a much better season behind the scenes this year than he did the year before because he's basically just, you know, he's kind of gone into bat for Benitez in the summer and then he's kind of just almost backed him a little bit. But, you know, we know that Lee Charnley is, you know, he's not the kind of managing director who will be able to shape Mike Ashley. If Mike Ashley comes in one day and says, actually, you know, I don't think, he, you know, there's no, what was it last time they went up? No capital investment. Yeah. If that's the message that comes out from Mike Ashley and Mike Ashley hasn't actually made a decision yet on what's going to happen next year, I don't think like that. You know, that that's when we run into problems and, you know, that we know that Mike Ashley has the has the final say on what goes on with Newcastle United, and there's not really been anybody yet who's been able to influence him one way or the other. But then we were all kind of negative about it last summer, and uh, Mike Ashley actually sort of his message that came out was what Rafa wants, Rafa gets. Well, Rafa's done what you wanted him to do. He's actually put yeah. some money into the coffers, um, you know. And I think I, I think what Rafa has thought about really well, and this is great because you hear from one of his people that what he's done is he said when January happened. Whereas you had other managers who went away and were like, oh, well, I can't, I can't influence this guy. Rafa's kind of gone away and said, right, well, I'll come up with a business plan um, and show you that actually, all right, well, we're not just going to sign players over 31. I never wanted to do that. But the players that we sign are going to have resale value as well. But they're going to have resale value because we're going to make them into better players. And you've seen that from a few. You could so probably sell Matt Ritchie now for more than Newcastle paid for him. Ditto Dwight Gale. I mean, Newcastle shouldn't be selling him. Mm. But that's Rafa. You know, he, he, he is a realist as much as anything, and I don't think he's going to flounce out of the club. Um, I don't get that impression at all. But yeah, I, I, do, I do agree with Mick. You, you just never know with Mike Ashley. It's all right to sell players, you know. I mean, it, it, it's, it is okay to sell them, and but if you're just buying them to give them a polish, put them in a the shop window, 
and sell them which was what we've been doing for for years then then you kind of build a team and that's why you get you know your Sissokos and Williandums who are not con- uh, they're disconnected from the club when they're here because they're they're, 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 they're picking and choosing their moments in games and and the games to play in and etc they're just not committed one of the things I'm a little bit worried about in the summer is the number of players who we've got out on loan who we might have to take back you know who mm. haven't really done very much and because they're on Premier League wages they're going to bounce back you know Riviere two years yeah. two years without a goal yeah remember, it's incredible it? you know it? and that Xavier forgot about him you know who apparently he's rubbish and, yeah, um, and then you've got De Jong you know who pulls a hamstring opening a can of coke doesn't he you know so you've got it's kind of an interesting one but you know De Jong you might Rafa might get him back and turn him into a better a better player and yeah. there are players here now who won't be here next se- yeah. next season you know there's a, there's a few in the last year of their contract you just cannot see them they cannot see them getting a new, a new deal and that for me because you know, he's having to use those players I mean pointed out uh, this week that um, he brought on Sammy Amiobi as a substitute you know when we played Burton yeah. now Sammy Amiobi has got no future at Newcastle he, he can't have please tell me he's got no future but he's been to Cardiff he's been to Bolton he's done nout but Rafa's having to bring him on mm. so people who think we've got this all conquering fantastic squad they, they need to kind of temper that view because it isn't all that um, and you know and on, you know, he's been regularly using Gufran. He's been re- regularly using Anita. They're not going to be here. Nah, they're not going to be here next season either. You know, they're they're players who are in the last two months of their con- their life at Newcastle United. Yet Rafa is squeezing stuff out of them, yeah. and that's what I love about him. When I watch him on the touchline, he's telling exactly what to go, and he, you know, he's they're so drilled. Um, you get frustrated with them because they make a lot of unforced errors, but. For the same for the same token, this bloke has just done wonders, and I'm repeating yeah. myself. You know. Your 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 point as well about what he did in the summer, which I think which I think some people haven't noticed either, was that he also managed to, as well as bringing all these players in and making the team better for the championship, he also built a squad, which he's the first manager for oh, before Pardew really, who's actually managed to build a squad because, you know, the thing that the thing that really I think a lot of people should look at that. The bit that we didn't we didn't even think in the summer, and a lot of people turned their noses up at Daryl Murphy signing for Newcastle United. But Rafa saw that there was a hole there that needed to be filled. A player who could come in and be championship ready uh, and score goals in the championship, who was going to be happy to sit on the bench a little bit and, and be like you know maybe the maybe the sort of third choice out of a four four strikers. And A was allowed to do that, which is you know kudos to, to mm. whoever made that decision and I don't think it was Mike Ashley but kudos to whoever made the decision to allow him to come in but kudos to, to Benitez for seeing that because you know for six months everybody would have said well, what was the point in getting Murphy in then he scores the most important goal of the season in my opinion against Brentford because that's when things started to get a little bit tight there he scored a really important goal there he scored an important goal against Rotherham scored other important goals here uh, and, and, and I think you know he's built this squad you know you, you've actually although you know this like I think people think that this squad's really good and this, this first is really good. Well, he's actually, you haven't noticed the difference too much when Clark's gone out and Hanley's come in because he's got two players or three players in, a, in, every, in every single position and no other Newcastle manager has been able to do that. Pardew, when the team finished fifth, how many injuries did they have that season? Hardly any. Yeah. If they'd had any injuries, that squad was absolutely blown apart as it was the following year. Um, and you've seen it this year that, that Benitez has sort of, 
the management is not an easy thing to do. You know, you've, you've seen other, you've seen Roberto Di Matteo couldn't do it in this division. Um, uh, what's his name? Alex Neal at Norwich couldn't, hasn't been able to do it in the Championship. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy to do. Huddersfield are starting to, you know, everybody's been banging on about how fantastic Huddersfield have been this year, and they have been great. But they've they've fallen away at the end of the season because it's a tough, tough league. I think one of the things he did he, as well is he's recognised the limitations of certain players. I mean, I don't think he ever trusted Mitrovic. Mm. Um, you know, and he one of the things that we haven't had this year that we've had for what we had for in the two of the last three seasons, I think, was a goalkeeping crisis, you know? So, I mean, personally, I think Jack Annick did a lot for Alan Pardew's demise, um, you know, in, in the last couple of, in the, in the months before he actually jumped ship. So you haven't had those. Now, that's not to say Matt Sells has been a, a, a resounding success because he hasn't, but, you know, he was a rated goalie and, and we've got him. Some of the things that Rafa's done haven't come off. You know, Jesus Gamas hasn't mm. played, he's had injuries. Um, Lazar hasn't really played. Um, Hanley is probably at his level, isn't he? Yeah. You know? But when he, some of his mistakes are completely outweighed by his successes. Now I don't think Graham Carr can say the same thing um, because he's brought in a lot of club, a lot of players from Holland and France in the main, um, who just haven't done it at all you know and have been moved or are being moved out the club at a, at a loss he's had one massive success just so go i suppose you could say goodbye blah 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 he's done all right in some in some ways and means but hasn't brought the, hasn't brought a decent striker has he for us i think i think the thing about the thing about graham carr as well that i i, I think was is always difficult there is that he has recommended some really good players but newcastle haven't gone out and got them and i think the problem has been that his his remit in the past was to go out and like you know come up with a list of four or five players in the, in any position, and Newcastle sometimes ends up getting a third or fourth player, mm. and I think that's sometimes where, you know, for me you don't, I wouldn't say come up with a list of four players because Riviere was never good enough for this football yeah. club, you know, and the problem was that Lee Charlie went out and got him when. You know, I think behind the scenes, Graham Carr was pushing to go out and get Laurent Remy. Mm. Was pushing out to go and get Lacazette. He's obviously done fantastically yeah. well since then. But again, you've got these internal politics where what's you know we always got a director of football who's really just a scout. You know that that was his that's his job. He wasn't meant to be going out and saying well we've got you know shaping club policy if you will. Yeah. And that's been the problem. Now you've got Lee Charney's doing his job. He's he's doing the, he's doing the bits that he should be doing. He's not he's not in charge of football policy anymore. Rafa Benitez is in charge of football well, policy. And that's got to be the case because, you know, last season in particular, you know, every team in the in the in at the club was bombing, wasn't it? Mm. And I was thinking, well, who is getting the head of the academy in? Who's talking to the managers and saying, what the hell's going on? Why are we losing all yeah. these football matches? You know, who, it couldn't have been Lee Charnley, wouldn't, you know, they could have told him anything, couldn't yeah. they? You know, so um, having Benitez there, he's almost de facto this director of football, but again, you know, Alex Ferguson never had a director of football at Man United, did he? You know, Bill Shankly never had one. Steen, Clough. Can you imagine Brian Clough working with a director of football or Don Revy at Leeds or any of those, you know, amazing uh, managers? They did it. Yeah. They, that that's what the that's what the term meant, and I just don't think it works in in England. I think it's got to be a, you've got to have. A kind of the right person. You've got to keep faith with them because they, they do get thrown out maybe too quickly. You know, you know. In hindsight, Newcastle have probably thrown out one manager a bit too early. Dalglish probably a little bit too early. The rest were 
shit from the start. But you know, particularly McLaren, etc. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I, I, I keep banging on about this point. Let this man be the man who turns Newcastle mm-hmm. United around. Gives us that identity as a club. Puts has Rafa Benitez running through every level of the club from the scouts to the youth team right to the first team and then put his print on the club over a seven, eight, ten year and let this be the, his last job in football. Yeah. Keep him here, chain him to the fence, you know, he's got to be kept. Well, you, I mean, you look at, I think the appeal of the, the kind of whole thing to Rafa Benitez has always been that, you know, this is a challenge for him. This is something completely different from what he's done before. And, and the only way it's going to keep appealing to him is if he's actually got freedom to do what he wants because... Mm. You know, he's come from all these different football cultures that he's obviously assimilated a little little bits of that into what he's doing in Newcastle. If you start to take some of that power away from him and tell him who to sign, it, the job suddenly holds a lot less appeal to him because, you know, he could go to he could go to another club in, on the continent, potentially, or he could go to China and you know, go and work in the Chinese Super League and stuff. And, and you know, he, he could pick up more money than he's earning at Newcastle United. He could probably pick up a lot easier jobs than at Newcastle United. But he's a football fanatic when you talk to him. He's somebody who everything is a problem. He sees everything as a problem to be solved. He's restless, you know. When when they beat um, Huddersfield and when they beat Brighton, and I think that Huddersfield game was the was the Rafa. You saw Rafa Benitez's blueprint played out literally kick for kick. I think on that on that field, that was everything that he'd been working towards all season. The players, you know, good players um, in that on that occasion, all kind of like absolving their own personal. Um, kind of, you know, everything. They, their own personal plaudits were not important to them that day. It was all about the team. You, know, you saw good players like John Joe Shelby doing the important things, and it was like, you know, you just you just watched and thought, this is what Rafa Benitez wants to do here, and that's what he can do. But if you start to take away some of the power from him, I just think this job will not. I don't think it will hold as much appeal to him because he'll just say, well, you know, I'm, I'm at that age now where he wants to be in the Champions League could be in the Champions League, he's got a CV that would get him into the Champions League. The fact that he stayed in the Championship is nothing short of miraculous. If you'd have asked me this time last year, is he going to stay and lead Newcastle United in the Championship to places like Burton and, uh, you know, Huddersfield and, and, you know, Barnsley and places like that, I'd have said, I just can't see how a man whose CV is what it is would, would ever want to do that. He was kind of, to be honest, it was you guys, you know, the listeners and, and you know, Gallagate Flags and, you know, the, the campaign that you had make in True Faith and, and it was all of that and, the, you know, everything fed into this idea that, well, I've got something here that I could that I could build on. The worst thing would be if it, the, the kind of uh, the carpet was yanked from under him because I think that, you know, he'd be disappointed as well because he'd see, he, he doesn't think this job's finished. Uh, when you speak to him, he sees it as a kind of, this is the first stage of something a lot bigger. Um, and and you just hope that Mike Ashley can kind of see that as well um, and just stays away from it a little bit because he's always said to people that he knows, people that trusted advisors, that I don't want anything to do with that football club. I want it to wipe its nose, as Alan Pardew once said to us, and that's what he's always said to people around it. That's why January was so weird. Why, when the club is functioning and ticking along, are you getting involved? Are you suddenly appearing at grounds? And I had people on Twitter, and I, you know, I mixed... Thankfully, you, you stood up for me actually uh, when we were kind of saying it because people were saying, "Oh, you, you're um, you're rocking the boat." It, there was something, you know. It, it, why is he? I mean, he's, he's not gone to a game since, so there was something happening in January. The fact that it seems to have all calmed down a little bit and it all seems to have sort of become a little bit more like, well, you know, Rafa's got his way again um, is quite good. And I think Mike Ashley will be, you know, he, he kind of likes a bit of that conflict. He likes a bit of that knuckle. And I think he'd be quite so impressed by the way that. Rafa Benitez sort of got on with the job and rather than 
sporting the hangdog expression that we sometimes got from Alan Pardew, where he, he sort of, you know, we've, I felt with Alan Pardew when the team, when they sold Kabai, he almost gave up because then it gave them a ready-made excuse to, to fail. Mm. Rafa Benitez turned around to that squad and said, right, you know, it doesn't matter what's happened in the, in the boardroom. Champion, we've got to get promoted. He had that one press conference after the Villa game where, quite rightly, I think, he was asked the questions about the transfer window and he said, it's nothing to do with me. It wasn't my decision. And then after that, he did that press conference, didn't he, on the Friday, I think, where everybody was kind of being quite banner back page headlines saying he was on the brink, which was absolute nonsense. But, like, he wasn't on the brink, but he was definitely annoyed. And then he did that press conference and I just thought, that's why he's so invaluable, because he came out and he said, he said, OK, well, yeah, it, it's it's water under the bridge, I'm staying. And he very skillfully didn't say he was going to be here long after because he didn't want to kind of like say, I'm definitely going to be here because he, he needs some bargaining. He needs some bargaining uh, kind of power over, over people because he's a master of politics. But that press conference just said to me, there was no sort of like letting the internal politics hang over it. And he's never mentioned that. He's, we asked him about January uh, a few weeks ago and he just said, I'm, I'm not talking about that. And you felt that that was a message to the dressing room as if to say, you lot are here, you've got to get us out of this. I'm not saying we needed more players because you're here and we're, we're here and we should be good enough to do this. And that message gets through to the dressing room. So you saw it with the FA Cup, didn't you, a few years ago where they started, where every year it was kind of, oh, we're going to play, we're going we're gonna to rest a few players, we're going to give a few players. And you knew that that meant that the top players were going to say, well, the, champ, the FA Cup doesn't mean anything to this football club, so why should I? Why should I turn up for it? We're not getting any bonus for it. Why should I turn up for it? And it's the exact opposite message that Rafa has given to these players. And I think you can see it from them. There's no excuses. He's not even talking about referees. And I think he'd have a, he'd have a, have a like he didn't even mention it did he, last week with the, with the uh, refereeing decision against Burton. You know, and it's that message. It's again, we get back to that management thing. It's that message. He knows that if he starts making excuses for why Newcastle has, you know, didn't win that game or whatever, they, they'll, the players will, players will, you know, go up and they will. And let's be will. honest, last week he had good cause to criticise referees, yeah. didn't he? At uh, Sheffield and at um, and at home um, for yeah. the bollocks the, that they dropped. The referees have been terrible in this, in yeah, this division. And, and, um, I know a, a chairman in, the, uh, in this league who's, um, before the, this season started, he, he, I'm just having a chat with him, and uh, he said the, the biggest thing that Newcastle find difficult is the, is the referees. Because I think it was um, Brentford, the, the Allen judge, the ta- that it was a horrendous tackle that broke his leg against Ipswich, and the lad didn't even get, he got booked, I think, rather than sent off. And they said there's no, you know. And then the following week, I think um, Brentford had another player who was kind of sent off for a sort of softer challenge. I mean, Vernon Nita got sent off against Wolves yeah. for a challenge that was nothing. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, players go through the back of Newcastle players, and nothing's happened. Well, good. Sheffield Wednesday at home was bad enough, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, terrible, I mean yeah. it was just incredible what 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 they what they were getting away with. Twenty-three fouls have committed, oh. which is one of the most in the division for any game, and they got you know they just got away with it all day. Didn't they? Yeah. And then there was Forest, obviously, two two red cards rescinded from the same game. Yeah. And then on the other foot, Forest at home, they like get sent off for. Uh, absolutely nothing yeah. yeah yeah i mean it is it, it it's kind of all added a little bit to the to the kind of joys of this of this league because it's given us something to talk about but if you were rafa you'd be pulling your hair out because every single thing that he's let every single plan that he's had has been disrupted along the way i mean they lost people forget they lost shelby for, for six games five games and then lost him for half a game yeah. and everybody's sitting and i mean john joe shelby for me 
the greatest example, and hardly anybody's really talked about this, the greatest example of what Rafa's done well this season is John Joe Shelby, because he was a, I mean, he looked unfit last year when he came in. Mm. He looked unmotivated. He looked like he couldn't be bothered in some games. I think he was kind of phoning it in when it, when it was going against him. You know, you saw a great example on Saturday. He had a really, really good game on Saturday. And I think in previous seasons, you'd have had the best player on the pitch like Shelby, who is a level above what Newcastle have got, would have been flinging his arms up. He would have been, oh. And then I think what you saw from him, and you've seen Sanchez do it for Arsenal, you know. And I think what you saw from him on Saturday was taking some collective responsibility for what went wrong and not just saying, well, I did my bit. Yeah. Last year, we had Wijnaldum having a good game, Suzoko having a good game, and they were happy. They'd had a good game against Tottenham or whoever. Mm. They were happy with that. It, and it wasn't about the team. And this year, it's been about the team. Shelby's comments after the game, I thought, were, were really good because he basically said, you know, like, oh, we're better than them, but we, we let ourselves yeah. down. Not, they let, not the team let, let us down. He, he came out and said... You know, we let ourselves down. I had that argument with my mates after that game. Like, they were obviously disappointed with the result, and I was like, "Yeah, but losing to Chef Wed, the performance as a whole, while not good enough in some respects, it wasn't through lack of trying or application. Yeah. Whereas in seasons gone by, the games we've lost, as you say, with the likes of Wijnaldum just going missing in games completely, it was like these lads aren't even trying, and yeah. the managers didn't seem to care. But for the whole of the Chef Wed game, Rafa's up and down from his seat." They're all they're still trying, and yeah. yeah, I think as Mick said earlier, we've got some players who maybe won't be around next season, and it's, we're getting the best out of them. We're, we're getting the best out of them. But they're good lads. Yeah. They're good lads, you know. Yeah. And I think we've had better players, but terrible characters previously. Yeah, exactly. These are uh, players who I think will do a great job for for us. Who are doing a good job for us this season will get us promoted, and then maybe move on to something else, you know. Um, but there's a bit of water to go under the bridge before that happens yeah yeah I think I think what's really interesting as well is that you've seen from a lot of the fans I think it's this you know this is uh, I mean we, we talked a little bit off, off uh, before the podcast talking about the difference in the years and things as well and like I'll, t- I'll take a bit of responsibility for this on behalf of the Chronicle there's more there's more coverage of everything now and, and a lot of that some of that's demand some of that's you know corporate thing you know we get you know, the Trinity Mirror has a, a new policy, really, that, that, that asks us to do quite a lot of football because there's so much demand for football now. And I think there's, there's this, like, I mean, Gary Neville said it a few years ago, there's now this thing where you, there's almost like, you could almost have a different football media that covers the soap opera of football, if you will, rather than the actual football. And you see it at Arsenal, with Arsenal Fan TV. You know, that is a whole enterprise that is basically based around... They don't want Arsene Wenger to go out. They don't want Arsene Wenger to, to get sacked because their whole the whole thing now, this Arsenal fan culture, is about being professionally angry after games. And you know, and we and, and Newcastle, thankfully, we ha- we haven't got that. But there is because there's so much interest in Newcastle United and you know, the Chronicle. We we know there's this massive amount of interest in it that everything is analysed. And I think that adds an extra layer of management that you need to do as a football club and especially as a manager and I think Rafa has done that really really well he's managed so many things around that really really well um, but it's a different game now and and you know in 1992-93 did they have that same no they didn't they didn't you know because there were the moments when I'm sure you know I wasn't around then but it, uh, here I was obviously born but um, but that that was a different you know it was a different era and you didn't have people people would have questioned Kevin Keegan did in 92, 93. And it's and it's amazing that Rafa, I think, has actually come out and and addressed these questions about two up front because people keep asking him. And fair play to him, he's come out and he's basically said, well, we've scored more goals than anybody else in the division. <laughs> like, 
well, yeah, with one up front, but um, but you know, and it is, you know, we we accept it as journalists. You know, it is different. It's a completely different game, even from what it was four or five years ago. So you've got to get, you've got to win a promotion campaign when you're expected to do so against the backdrop of, you know, so much background noise now. There's so much background noise in football now, and and, and it's the the good, the smart managers, the ones who are able to to cope with it. And you can see Rafa has done it when John Carver, Steve McLaren, and latterly Alan Pardew couldn't. You know, and that and that's another notch that I think he should be kind of like praised for. I think what you said before about is um, Shelby's comments were interesting as well because I kind of like that little bit of arrogance from the team that Shelby came out and said we're better than them, but we got beat. A very, it's a long time since I've heard a Newcastle player say that. And if you look at Benitez's fury after games we get beat, he's probably he's bad at hiding it. Yeah, he's, he's bad at hiding his, his emotions compared to McLaren or Padre, who are a bit laughing a bit. Oh well, you know, we'll try our best. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost it's it's a good positive thing in this modern day era where you know a lot of boring stuff is kind of set up. I find it interesting. I suppose that just about does it for today. Um, kind of last question for you, Mark, is where do you see where do you see where do you think Rafa Media's season casting out in two years' time if backed, and where do you see it in two years' time if backed? I, I think I think that I was looking at the Premier League today and West Brom are eighth. I think that Newcastle United in two years' time would be, I think, a realistic thing. The Newcastle could realistically aim for top eight. Um, I think that you would probably, what would sort of back that up, in my opinion, would be that Rafa would probably take the cup seriously, which Newcastle hadn't done before. I think he would, he would take the cups a bit more seriously. Where Rafa sees Newcastle, I think he thinks that they potentially could be a top six club. I think that's why, he, that's why he's at Newcastle. Um, but again, it just all depends on that kind of like, you know, how much he gets back. I actually think that, that his tactics and the way that he sets teams up would be better suited in some ways to the Premier League, at home in particular. I think the home form will improve totally next agree. year. Totally um, you know, it's funny, I, I spoke to Scott Minto, who knows him at Sky, and he said exactly the same. He said, oh, like the home form thing. Next year, Newcastle will be better. I mean, forget that they drew with Man City, didn't they, last year in the yeah. running, um, which yeah. was a Rafa kind of thing. Palace were doing quite well, weren't they? Were under under Pardew and they they beat them. They beat Swansea. Um, you know they had some good, they had some good results against the Betsy. They drew with Liverpool. Yeah. Came back against yeah. them. So you know he probably tactically he's be, he's better suited to that. I don't think I think that, I think the fans really need to kind of get away from this idea that Newcastle are going to you know barnstorm. They're going to they're going to be really attacking and go for it. You know and you have to kind of say well that's what. McLaren was trying to do with Newcastle, wasn't he? He did actually say that at the start of the year, and we kind of all applauded him and said, "Oh, fair play!" You know, he wants Newcastle to attack again, but it didn't work because they didn't have the players. Um, but I think top eight definitely. Rafa, yeah, I think he, I think Rafa would kind of look at top six if he was backed and if he felt that you know he had the squad to do it. Um, but I think we're, we're next year. You know, if I'm being honest, I think Newcastle come up, stabilise, just try and you know. <laughs> anything away from them. Bear in mind they were in two relegation fights, virtually a third before they got relegated. So if they can stabilise next year and you know and, and play I think a similar season to what they had under Chris Hewton before the wheels sort of fell off, that would be a good return next year. Mm. But take the cup seriously. I mean he wanted to take the league they were not far away in the League Cup this year. They were not far away at all and if they'd you know if they'd have beaten Hull, you know, where could they have gone this year? And I think that's probably where Rafa kind of sees them next year. Maybe taking the cup, the FA Cup, seriously as well, which they couldn't do this year because they were short on players. But, um, but yeah, maybe top top eight. I think in two years' time, next year, just stabilise, just try and keep keep kicking along. But you know, they've lost a lot of ground on those other teams, haven't they? 
know, West Ham now are probably ahead of where Newcastle, Everton are miles ahead of where Newcastle are now, which is you know a bit depressing really when you consider four or five years ago Newcastle were a better and bigger club than Everton, mm. probably still a bigger club in some ways, but not a better club than Everton. So he's just got he's got a lot of work to do to get Newcastle back up to that league, uh, and I think you know a bit of a dose of reality next year if they do go up, you know they'll be competing with some teams that are way ahead of them in terms of personnel. Uh, and Rafa's the only way, really, I think, that they can bridge that gap quickly. Um, they're not going to do it with Nigel Pearson, are they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Spot on. Thanks for your time, No Marcus. problem. We are joined on the line now by Hamer, who's a Leeds United supporter. Hamer, thanks for your time and joining with And it's been, a, from the outside, looking in a pretty good season for Leeds United this uh, so far. Absolutely. First time in a while, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I think that's reflected in the uh, the attendances... You know, over the last, last couple of years, obviously it's been sort of out of the frying pan and into the fire, you know, with Bates going out, which everyone was relieved at. And then, obviously, Chile, knows coming and it's just been absolute chaos. But, yeah, for the first time in a while, actually feels like we've got a bit of stability this season. You know, a good manager in Monk. I think the fact that he's actually once been given a, a little bit of time, unlike the uh, the previous managers over the last few few years, and we've uh, yeah we've started to build I think a little bit of a foundation, especially in terms of our former Ellen Road, which is it's probably been as good as it has been at any time since Howard Wilkinson, to be honest. So yeah, for once, reasons to be cheerful. And how how did Chirino get himself into this position? Was it pure luck? that he stumbled upon the right man or, or are there things happening at the club which are a little more positive? It, it feels a little bit like that, to be honest. I mean, it feels like he's just so quick fire that he was just happy to sack managers. Yeah, okay. like you say, I think until he stumbled on the right one. I mean, to be fair, with the exception of David Hockaday, who he brought in from Forest Green when he came in, which just didn't make any sense at all. Since then, I think his actual selection of managers has been all right. No one's grumbled too much over the appointments. It's just then that they've been given absolutely no time to, you know, to sort of build their own uh, build their own team. I mean, certainly when Gary Monk came in, I was pretty happy with it because you think good young manager. Hungry appetite, obviously, you know, has done a very good job previously. Um, and then, you know, we we got turned over at QPR on the first day of the season, and results didn't go well in terms of that that first six games. Um, and you started to fear the worst, to be honest. But he's actually been given a bit of time to turn it around. I think some of it, Alex, is probably um, this guy that. Uh, Zini has come on board. He's um, a fellow Italian, uh, Fender Cellino. He's now got a fifty percent stake in the in the club as well, and I think he's been a little bit of a calming influence. He seems to be a little bit less erratic, and that's to have his head screwed on. <laughs> and you know, Leeds fans, obviously, like you said at the start of the the chat, lots of reasons to be cheerful, including the home form. Was was promotion always the aim under Monk, or has he even um, superseded those initial expectations? Uh, 
I think from the from the yeah from the fans' point of view, well, certainly in my opinion, I you know I think he's gone above expectations. I didn't expect us to be challenging for promotion this year. I, I was thinking, you know, decent mid-table finish. Hopefully, he's given some time, and then you know build the squad again a little bit over the summer and and push on next season. I didn't expect us to be competing uh, for promotion this season and I don't think most Leeds fans did either, to be honest. And do you think, I mean, obviously you, you seem pretty secure in the playoffs, so there's plenty of time to go, but you seem pretty safe. You've been there all season as well, pretty much. We have been there, yeah, we have been there all season. It's difficult because there's, you know, there's very little... Uh, separating Huddersfield in third down to Fulham in uh, seventh. Uh, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I think if uh, if we lose against you lot, and you know, and let's say Fulham pick up a result, it becomes very very tight. That being said, once we've got this game out of the way, our running isn't too bad. It's all teams below us and all teams that you would think we should be able to beat. But, you know, in this division, it's just a, it's a lottery, isn't it? And, you know, being a Leeds fan, I'll never underestimate our ability to sort of shoot ourselves in the foot at the last minute. So no tickets being counted. Yeah. And is, is there anything which you, you kind of see in the team and Monk now that you think, even if you're did manage to go up via the playoffs. Do you, you know? Do you think what he's got there would be competitive next season in the in the Premier League, or do you think they'll have to spend a few quid? Uh, no, I don't think we would be competitive in the Premier League with the current squad. I think um, when you look at our team, they're exactly the kind of team that you would be that you would expect to see in the position that we are. We're well organised. We're well drilled. You know, obviously in Chris Wood, we've got someone you know who's who's you know banging in the goals at the business end of the pitch. However, I think we do lack we lack the quality even in this division to get results on a more consistent basis. I think there'd have to be. I think there'd have to be. Yes, some changes. I think Wood needs uh, needs some competition. I also think we need shoring up in the midfield a little bit, and arguably a new keeper. Um, I mean, the fans have been a bit divided uh, on Rob Green. He, you know, on his day, he can be fantastic, and uh, and I think the experience has helped. But you know, as was the case against yourselves back in November, he's. <laughs> He's always got a mistake in him, yeah. and uh, and yeah, I think it would need changing. What I will say though is, I think in terms of the style of football that Monk likes to play, you know, a real passing game. I think with the money to spend, if we did get promotion, he'd probably have us playing in a way where hopefully we would, you know, we would be competitive. But yeah, I, I think there'd need to be some big changes. I think the current team would get turned over. Yeah, and how do you see the game going this Friday? Do, do Leeds travel up to St James's thinking, you know, that three points is, is definitely within reach or would a point be a good result? Well, I think it's, I think it's possible because, um, you know, not having seen a great deal of you what this season, but, you know, you're not unbeatable uh, at the moment by any means. What I will say, though, is 
our away form this season has been very sort of in, inconsistent. Well, you know, it hasn't been bad. I think we've we've won about the same you know number of games that we've lost. But as I say, the, the foundation for the success this season being more at Ellen Road. I think one thing that's a bit concerning is that. The results away from home, it tends to either be a smash and grab or we, you know, or we don't play that well, but we still grind something out. We don't seem to really come from, from behind at all. And I think if you, if you lot get the first goal, I, I think there'll be, uh, I think there'll be trouble. Um, but you never know. I'd take a point though. I'd happily take a point. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Good Friday, everyone's off. Few drinks and that. Yeah, it should, it should be it should be an absolutely belting game. I mean, you know, it's the two. You know, the, I'd, I'd argue the two biggest teams in the division. And I know Forest and Villa might have something to say about that. I think it's always always a good crack. Is late Newcastle games. Uh, you know, you lots should be on very good form in terms of the fans. I think you're basically there now. Um, I think it'd be an absolutely absolutely belting game uh, and you know it'd be nice to see those games uh, being played in the Premiership next season but we'll uh, we'll we'll have to see um, am I right in saying it's Gale out for, for you yes, yeah, it looks like it looks like his season's yeah. over but funny thing about that is Newcastle I mean Dwight Gale is mint he's a really good player obviously he scored twice against you at Ellen Rose um, but Newcastle's form without him this season is actually very good <laughs> Um, I think he kind of won, won, won every game nearly when he's been injured. Um, yeah, and, so. I think, and I think that's the difference, you know, for us when when Wood isn't scoring, we're, we're generally we're generally not not winning, and we don't really. It's certainly very rare that we we turn teams over. Our games tend to follow a a certain pattern where we, you know, we're organised. We might just about have the better of things in midfield and then if we grab the first goal, we, you know, we tend to be reasonable at sort of keeping a clean sheet. Um, as I say, I think if if you lot score first, um, I, I can't see us getting anything. I think our, our best hope is to be sort of solid up to half time and then maybe if we can nick a goal, then we'll uh, we'll see. But as I say, I'd I'd happily take a point because I think if we do take a point from you guys, then we're left with a, a decent running compared to the teams around us. I think Fulham still have to play Huddersfield and Wednesday, perhaps. Yep. Um, so so you'd hope that. Um, a point for us lot, you know, we've got, I think, Wigan, Burton, Wolves, uh, Norwich and, and someone else to play. You, you, you'd think with our running that we'd stand a decent chance if we can get something. Hey, man, thank you very much for joining me. We really appreciate it. Oh, no worries at all. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.